Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breitler. So first things first, um, Michigan got a commitment today from Jordan Whitley, this Jumbo defensive tackle from Oregon State graduate transfer. He's north of you know 350, 360 pounds. Uh, I think this is a I think this is a a, po- a very positive development for Michigan. I don't think. And I saw some people kind of trashing it on social media a little bit, saying like, "Oh, who cares? Uh, you know, he's probably not even going to play. We'll you know we'll see if he can even get in shape and make his way on the field." Like. I, I don't really know where that comes from. First of all, he's he had a heart condition and some COVID potential COVID complications that kept him out of football last year, but he's been a big dude. He played at north of 340 pounds or something like that in 2019 and made some plays. He's a former running back. He's an athletic guy. Um, and Michigan wanted a player like this. They they targeted they targeted the guy from UAB and now they targeted Jordan Whitley and and they got him. And so you know, I just, it's really kind of strange that people, you know, thought that this was some who cares type of moment. Look, I don't think Jordan Whitley's going to come in and be an all American, but they, they clearly wanted a guy to play the middle of a three, four, and now they've got one. So I think that's a, I think that's a good thing. Call it like it is. I have no idea how this, how anybody could perceive this as a negative. I think that's just more of what we've talked about before, where, you know, there, there's a certain, group of people that are always looking for something to be upset about. Uh, but this is a big get, uh, you know, they need somebody, you know, you talk about the guys that they have in the defensive line right now, uh, Mozzie Smith, uh, Chris Hinton, and, and those are big dudes, but they are, you know, just slightly, what, slightly north of 300. This is a big, big guy that can play really well at the nose tackle position in a three, four defense, you know, regardless of whether or not he comes to Ann Arbor and becomes like a, you know, first or second round pick, you know, I, I don't know what the expectation is, but the bottom line is it's a big get. And this is somebody that can help them accomplish what they're trying to accomplish on the field. So it's a good thing all the way around. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, maybe, maybe he isn't an every down guy. That's okay. That's that's yeah. totally okay. I mean, that's, they, they needed a guy to play the true nose tackle, to play a zero technique in a three, four. And now they have one. I mean, I think you could have probably got by with Mozzie Smith or Chris Hinton, but they're like you said, they're they're 300, 305, maybe 310. Yeah, that extra 50 pounds on a dude that big in the middle of a dof- of a defensive line makes a difference. So I, I, again, it's a guy they targeted. Really, the second, maybe the third one. I can't, the the guy that ended up committing to Florida from Penn State, his name escapes me, but that was much earlier in the cycle. Uh, yeah. Um, and now you know, a couple weeks ago, I said his name wrong last time too. Is it Tony Fair or Jordan Fair? Tony, Tony fair. I was like, I called him Jordan fair because of Jordan Whitley's name, but Tony fair ended up committing uh, elsewhere. And now, or he still, he, he eliminated Michigan from his top group. And now Michigan went out and identified this guy and landed him. And I think a big part of it was Courtney Morgan. We talked about that before he was at San Jose state when, Jordan Whitley was originally coming out of high school. He spent a couple of years at a junior college and a couple of years at Oregon state. And now he's going to finish up at Michigan. So again, I, I just think it's a, a guy that they, 
maybe not even and I'm not trying to take anything away from Jordan Whitley but not even not even him specifically they just they needed a guy like this they needed a jumbo defensive tackle to play the middle of a 3-4 and and they got one so I yeah, yeah like I said I I don't I don't think anybody is trying to portray this as oh Michigan's going to win the Big 10 now this is the missing link this is all they needed I don't that's not it at all but they needed this guy to to make their defense a little bit more complete under Mike McDonald. And, and now they have one. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. It's something that they were trying to do and it's something that they were able to do. So I don't think you can, I don't think you can say anything bad about it. I will say, you know, they're the, the heart thing. You put up a little story about this, yeah. not, not that he shouldn't like get another shot or, you know, apparently obviously he's been medically cleared, but just recap real quick what that was about. And like, it sounds serious. Like when you hear what it was, it's like, damn, is this guy really ready to, you know, step back onto a football field? <laughs> yeah. When, when you, uh, when I dove into it and, and looked at, you know, kind of how that took place, he, you know, he put up a post on, um, one of his social media accounts and, and had said something to the effect of, you know, there was a, there was a tumor and possibly he even mentioned that there was potentially cancer there. So it was, it was a pretty serious deal for, for a little while. And yeah, obviously there's been some resolution to it. And another guy that comes to mind was like a Mo Hurst, right. Who was, I think he was, I don't know, was he slated to go first round? I yeah, mean, he was, was. He was very yeah, he was, much in the discussion. Yeah. yeah, and then and then they discover. Now I don't know how similar it is to what Whitley has going on, but the bottom line is, you know, there was a serious issue that was there. They discovered it. It seems like it's there's been a resolution to it, um, and I think that's probably playing a little bit of a part of why people are skeptical. You know, you have the weight, you have the heart issue, and then you know, I think people can just look at those two things and say, oh, geez, I hope he can stay on the field. But generally speaking, when he was on the field. He was pretty productive, and I wouldn't expect any different here when he when he arrives in Michigan. Yeah, this is not like a, a guy whose whole career is just riddled with injuries. He right. he had a pretty serious and what I would probably call a rare condition last year that caused yeah. him to miss. And I think I think the concerns with COVID, when there was a you know a lot of discussion on whether or not long term effects on the heart could stem from COVID issues, like if you've already got a heart issue, like you just don't mess with that. So. Yeah. I think he's, you know, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be trotting it out there again if he wasn't fully cleared and ready to play. And so I, I don't I just don't think it's going to be that big of an issue for him at Michigan. But it, it's something. I mean, when you hear like tumor and heart and that kind of thing in the same yeah. breath, it's like, damn, that's that sounds pretty serious. I hope first of all that he's okay just for him personally, and then obviously, yeah, healthy enough to play to play football and and contribute because obviously it's you know it's been made pretty clear that Michigan wanted a guy like that. So hopefully he can help them out as much as he as much as he can. So well, I think and it's a that's, good thing. That, that's what I was going to say is that I, for anybody that might be concerned about it, you know, this is a position of need at Michigan and they chose to fill it with this guy here. So, I mean, there's obviously a certain level of confidence, at least from their side, that this, whatever this issue was, is, is good to go. Otherwise you wouldn't, you know, it seems like it would be a bit too risky to fill that position with a guy who may or may not even see the field. Yeah. Yep. No, I think it's a good thing all the way around. We'll, you know, learn more about him as he gets on campus and fall camp starts. And again, based on what I learned about Baltimore's defense and what I think Mike McDonald knows, like this, this guy's going to play. I saw, I saw quite a few people on Twitter, on social media saying like, cool, go get this guy. He's never going to see the field. And I'm like, I just, I don't think you're right. I I think you're wrong. I think he is going to play. I think that's why they wanted him. I think he fills a specific need that you 
didn't have on the roster before this point. Like defensive tackles in a four three versus a three four are very different guys. In a four three, you want guys like Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton, athletic, yeah. little quick, quick twitch guys, you know, three two nine two eighty-five, two ninety, three oh five, maybe in that range. Because you, you work them on stunts. You have them twisting with the defensive end. You need them to be a little more fleet of foot. You need them to get in the gaps. You need them to you know press the edge a little bit. You may, may even need them to step out and play defensive end at times on a jumbo set, You know, short yardage, whatever. That's not what you do with Jordan Whitley. You put right. him in the middle and you say, bro, take up two guys, get a tackle at the line of scrimmage every once in a while, and let our linebackers run around clean back there. So I, I just think his role is going to be pretty specific for his – his body type and and that's what they're going to have him do. That's why they wanted him. So we will see how that develops, but I think a good thing, um, you know, that they were able to find a guy cause they had been looking for a little bit now and now they've got one in, in Jordan Whitley. Uh, next up very briefly on this, cause we've talked about Steve Klinkscale quite a bit. Both you and I think this was a, a massive hire for Jim Harbaugh. Both of us put it at number one in terms of the acquisition of assistants and staffers and things like that. Some details about his contract came out today, three years, uh, 600,000 base salary with a chance to go up to, I think it was 750 and a promotion to, to co-defensive coordinator. If he gets his pass defense in the top 25 of, uh, of, of the national landscape. So and basically just incentive laden for him to make a really healthy contract, uh, you know, three quarters of a million dollars for a cornerbacks coach is pretty damn good yeah. um, with it, with the chance to, get a promotion basically and have a little bit bigger hand in running the defense. So I think that's about what I thought. I, I, you know, uh, Mo Linguist was set to make 680. I thought it would be, I, I thought it would be about that or, or more. So I'm, I'm a touch surprised that it's less, but never, nevertheless, he's going to have a chance to up his profile and earn some more money if he does a good job, which I, I fully expect him to. Now, the thing is the thing about having a highly rated pass defense is it's not all on the cornerbacks or the cornerbacks coach. So, you, you know, he's going to hope that, Hey, Nua, let's get them defensive linemen to get some pressure on my guys. McDonald, let's be a little bit more aggressive getting after that quarterback so I don't have to worry about him winging it down the field. So it's a it's a collective effort, but I think uh, I think a contract that fits who, who Clink Scale is and what he's about. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, it shows, you know, the fact that they they see, you know, some potential in him to become a co-DC, uh, that they've got um, – you know, the mindset that he's going to be around for a while. And, you know, from a coaching standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint, like we said before, this was a home run hire. And so um, I really wasn't surprised to see anything that came out today in terms of the detail of his contract. I, and I, I've said this before, and I think you agreed with me. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh. There's quite a few people out there who think this could be the last go around that if he doesn't, you know, shock the world in essence that he's, he's done. I, I don't know if there's a number of wins or if there's a certain kind of win, I mean, we talked about Ohio state, you know, till we're blue in the face. We talked about bowl wins. We talked about all of that, but Steve Clayscale is a guy I would, I would imagine that no matter who comes in, if Jim Harbaugh is moved, is removed, that he would be a, he would be a retention candidate for sure. Absolutely. Like he, yeah. you know, he's going to get that kind of look from, from any head coach in the country. And, and if, if, if it is a one and done for him at Michigan because of Jim Harbaugh's, you know, future, then he's not going to have any problem finding work. So it's right. a, it's a smart contract. It pays him a good amount with the chance to make a lot more and, and get a promotion. So I like the deal. I like the deal a lot and I think he's deserving of it. And I'm excited to see what he can do on the recruiting trail and how the, you know, how the corners look, because there were some times last year where it wasn't, it wasn't very good. Yeah. To say the least, to say the least last, but not least, this is going to take us a little bit of time to get through it, but 
Uh, I have spreads. I have point spreads for Michigan in six of its more marquee games on the schedule this year. So I'm going to throw you out the, the 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 game, the matchup, and what the spread is, and you tell me, Mr. Bryler, where you would slap your money down because it's legal in Michigan, and if we want to put some money out there on these things, we can do that. We can. Um, I did one already. Uh, maybe we'll get into that a little bit after we uh, start talking about this, but six of the bigger games, so Washington, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State. Those are the odds that have been released already. Uh, there may be more out there. I, I I go through FanDuel, so anybody out there who may have seen you know these on William Hill or DraftKings or another another platform that you know whatever it is what it is. But this was this was what I found on FanDuel, um, and they were released yesterday or the day before. So we'll start off with that week two game that we have talked about at length being a fork in the road game, a, a barometer for what the whole season is going to look like. Washington is favored by two and a half points in Ann Arbor in front of a packed house. We think, right. We're, we're pretty certain now that it's going to be full capacity, yeah. which is amazing. Um, game changer. Game it changer. is. It does yeah. change things a little bit for me, but Washington's still favored by two and a half. Where are you putting your money on that one? Uh, I'm certainly putting my money on Michigan there for sure. I mean, I, you know, I, I get that Washington would be favored, um, just based on the guys that they're returning and some of the questions there are at Michigan still, but I mean, you're going to Ann Arbor, it's prime time. The big house is going to be full at this point. I just, I don't see any scenario that now, especially with the crowd being back in the stadium, that Washington comes out of this one with a win. I just don't see it. Um, I'm sticking with what I've said. I'm st- it doesn't, I do think the crowd that's, that's big, that, that, that's big. That's going to have a completely different feel. It's a night game. Um, it's going to be rocking. I mean, you know, the, it's not the opener, it's not the season opener, but it, it kind of is like, you know, I mean, no, I was going to say, Michigan, yeah. but Michigan should win that game easily. I get that'll probably be a noon kickoff Mac opponent, get the season off to the right start, but that week two tilt against the Huskies, is going to be huge. It's going to be absolutely huge. I mean, Michigan's probably not going to be ranked. Washington likely will be inside the top 20, somewhere in there, if I had to guess. Um, I still – show me first. That, that's yeah. where I'm at. Show me first because I got duped last year several times. You know, I, I was, you know, watching Michigan State almost – or watching, watching Michigan State lose to Rutgers as Michigan was pounding Minnesota – thinking like, God, this is going to be so ugly next week. And boy, was everybody wrong. And then, you know, the, the, the losses that they did have throughout the rest of the year, I just, I need to be shown. I need to be shown first that Michigan can handle a good team and Washington is certainly a good team. So I would put my money on Washington to cover the two and a half point spread. Cause I think it will be close. you know, a three point win, a four point win, maybe a touchdown, but it's going to be, it's going to be a, a good game. I think for sure. Yeah. that that crowd factor is going to make it all that much better. I was going to say, man, I, I given the fact that it, it was a year layoff, like the stadium should be rocking. Like, yes, yeah. it's not opening weekend, but I expect it to be similar to what it was when Notre Dame came to Ann Arbor for the first night game back in 2011. That stadium was just probably as electric as it's ever been. Um, I would, my hope, and that's one of the things I'm really excited about is to see not just everybody return to the stadiums, but to see if there's a, a bit of a, a difference in the energy that maybe there's more of an appreciation for, you know, being back in an environment like that with the understanding now of how quickly that can be taken away. Yeah. I mean, 
Sorry, I got your face up there. I'm looking for <laughs> I'm looking for a uh, what uh, a quick website real quick. But yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Look, the 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 crowd is certainly, you know, just thinking about the alternative that where we were even a couple weeks ago when we talked about like oh you know if they had a game tomorrow it'll be twenty thousand you know the the percentages say so and maybe by September it'll be fifty percent. Now that it's potentially looking like a, a full house, it's. It's huge, man, and it's going to be so cool to see again. I'm really excited about it. It sounds then, you know, by all accounts, that means that you and I will be on site for the games, which is which is awesome. I know you're really looking forward to that as someone Can't who's wait. never done it before. And just, you know, for me who and for everybody in the media who didn't get a chance to do it last year, and we had to do all this stuff from home and all these call-ins and all these Zooms for all these different pressers, I, I still am curious about how that will be handled. I think I would assume they're going to err on the side of caution for a while and not have a bunch of people smushed into a room at the same time if they can help it. So we'll see how that how that goes. But at the same time, when you got one hundred and ten thousand in your stadium and that's okay, putting fifty in a room to talk to Harbaugh at a pre- at a at a podium probably is all right too. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm anxious to see how all that works out and looks. But yeah, having a having a capacity crowd is certainly is certainly a, a game changer for potentially the outcome of that one. Um, man, I'm just. I don't know if it's hearing about the fact that there's going to be fans, but I like my excitement went from like here to here, just like fig- just learning that and just thinking about what that's going to look like at night and how big of a game that's going to end up being in week two. I just, you know, we said it, we, you know, we said it was going to happen, right? We said it was going to happen. The, the closer <laughs> it gets, the more exciting it's going to get and the more yeah. amped up people are going to be about it. Even if, even if optimism is a little low, even if, uh, you know, Michigan fans are a little bit, little bit concerned about it this year it's still it the, the excitement's it's going to continue to grow and that learning about the state learning about the crowd and, and thinking about that week two game against washington who's favored by two and a half points i'm getting i'm getting more excited as we're 105 days away from michigan's first game against uh <laughs> against western all right second game on the docket that had a spread released is october the second at wisconsin the badgers are favored by nine and a half that's a pretty big spread but good lord, they won by forty last year in Ann Arbor. So where would you put your money on that one? I'll take. I'll put it on Wisconsin. My money goes with Wisconsin. Listen, Michigan. When it comes to playing Wisconsin, Michigan has a problem when they go to Camp Randall. They just they they. I haven't seen. I can't remember the last time I watched them. You know, go to Wisconsin and you know, put up a really good fight. I, I think the last two times that they've been there, right, have been pretty ugly. I'd have to go back and look at the schedule. Um, but I don't have fond memories of Camp Randall. And based on what I saw last year in Michigan Stadium, now granted I know it was an empty stadium, but still there was no excuse for, for what we saw happen last year. Um, I'm kind of where you're at in, in the sense of you got to show me. You have to prove mm-hmm. it on the football field. And until they can go – on the road and play a team like this in a hostile environment. I just, I can't put my money on Michigan in this one. I hear you. I hear you real quick. I just want to put this up because I thought it was a good question. I, I, I didn't see it. So Jimmy Whitner from, uh, from Twitter, when we were talking about clink scale schedule, do I think that Michigan will have a top 25 pass defense this year? No, I don't. I, I don't, I, I don't know if they're going to sniff that to be honest. Um, Based on, again, show me what we saw last year, the lack of pressure from the defensive line. You've got new linebackers learning a new scheme and you've got 
you know, with with being with calling it as much like I is, you've got moderately, you know, mediocre, talented cornerbacks. There's there's just isn't like a guy on this team that I'm like, oh, NFL corner. I, they don't have that. You know, yeah. they they don't have that. So I think you know, I think unless there's a, a a dramatic improvement and things just look completely different from last year, certainly getting Aiden Hutchinson back and healthy helps. Having him rush the rush the passer in a more pronounced role helps. But I. If I had to say right now, I would say no. I don't think Michigan will have a top 25 pass defense, and I don't know. I don't really know how you could argue that very aggressively based on what we saw last year. So, anyway, that's a good question. I wanted to throw that up there since it was uh, it was pertinent to the the ling or the uh, I almost said linguist <laughs> the clink scale the clink scale contract discussion. All right, next one up. By the way, I'm with you. I would take Wisconsin on that nine and a half point spread at Camp Randall. Um, it's just. Wisconsin just does it, man. They, year in and year out, they just do what they do. They're going to run the ball. They're going to take care of the ball. They're not going to turn it over, and they're going to pound you. And that's and they're, the, yeah, and they're well coached. It's very well coached. Very well coached. I mean, you're right. They've they've punked Michigan the last two years in a row. Um, I I again show me something different, and maybe I'll think differently. But that's that's what it's been. Uh, next up, October twenty third. So is that after a bye? No, that's. Yes, that is after a bye. So at Wisconsin, then at Nebraska, then back home off a bye week, October 23rd against Northwestern in Ann Arbor. The Wolverines are favored by nine and a half. What would you do with your money on that one? So ten or, 10, or more, 10 or more point win over the Wildcats. It's it's weird because my, I feel differently depending on what happens in week two, you know, and and especially going to Camp Randall. I mean, if Michigan's coming off the bye week with two losses already, I think this game takes on a totally different vibe. Um, but based on the way that I think the season's going to go, uh, I'll take Michigan to cover. Just because, uh, again, you know, they're at home. The crowd is back. Northwestern can definitely be a pesky team. And they're, again, one of those well-coached teams. Pat Fitzgerald always has those guys up and ready to go. Um, I just think, bottom line, Michigan's too talented in this one. They're at home. They got the full the full stadium. I think that they're going to cover. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, Northwestern is one of the – has one of the lowest return rates on in the entire country in terms of the production that they're bringing back on both sides of the ball. So they they played well last year. This year they're expected to take a large step back. So with that said, though, I, I just think I could I could easily see this being like a three or a six or a nine point win or a one touchdown win for Michigan. So I think I think Michigan will win. I feel pretty confident in saying that actually, but I think I would put. I think I would put my money on the points with Northwestern. Okay. I think I think Michigan would win, but it wouldn't surprise me a bit if it was three points or six points or a touchdown. It would have to be ten or more. And I just, you know, again, based on what we saw out of Michigan last year, how so many games against Northwestern have gone in the past, I just think it'll be closer than that. But but I like what I what I just said and what you said. I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan did open it up a little bit because they are more talented and they should be. And it's in Ann Arbor and it's off of a week of rest. Like there's a lot of things working in Michigan's favor. I'm just going to yeah. go with again until I see a little bit different. I'll, I'll go with Michigan getting a win, but not covering that nine and a half point spread. That's a pretty big spread between two like middling conference opponents. Yeah. Like, you know, but, you don't see this spreads is, that big often. In, this is in, the point in of the, the year though, where, where Michigan should be clicking. If things are working, you know, by, by now, they'll be working by then. Right. Yeah. By now they've, you know, they've, they've either really 
crap the bed or they're really performing well and doing what mm-hmm. they're supposed to be doing. And either way, whatever it is they're trying to accomplish during the season, by the time they get to this game, it should be clicking. It should be working based on all the athletes they have, some of the guys they have coming back. They they should be able to run away with it. But you're right. It's it's a lot of points. That's a pesky little team too. Maybe, yeah. it's, maybe you've got some weather. I mean, you just don't know. But I, I think you look at nine and a half and that's a pretty big number. I'll take Northwestern in the points, but I do think Michigan wins. The following week, October 30th, Almost Halloween, almost Halloween again, up there in East Lansing. Michigan is favored by six over the Spartans. Michigan is favored by six. Where do you put your money in this one? This is going to be an ass whooping. I'll call it right now. I feel like Michigan's going to come into this one uh, more focused probably than than you've seen them in a long time, just based on the way things went. You know, they got absolutely embarrassed last year. Mm-hmm. There was no excuse for it to happen. It may very well have been the, the most embarrassing loss of Jim Harbaugh's career. I've got a feeling that, you know, whatever the issues were in 2020, uh, though they've moved on, they're going to carry a lot of that into this game. And there's a lot of interesting storylines coming into this game too, with uh, Rayshon Benny and Andrew Anthony, and some of the things that have happened during the off season, some of the little bit of chatter that's been going on. I think this one's going to be chippy. I'm excited for it, but bottom line is I think Michigan, I'll take Michigan easily with the points. I think, I think they're going to beat them by like 20 or 30 points. I think it's going to wow. be bad, bad. Wow. I, man, you are, slurping the Kool-Aid right down, bro. <laughs> guzzling, guzzling. And for this I game, for this game, for this I, game. I I just don't. God, do you remember last year? Do you remember last I year? I do, I do. I, unfortunately, I do. But that, Mel, that plays into Tucker, why I feel this way. I, I got you. And being in East Lansing this year, Mel Tucker is not, I mean, he he's he's 1-0 against Jim Harbaugh. He's never He's never going to fear that game, ever. And certainly won't this year after Michigan's coming off a two and four, and you know the the question marks that are surrounding that program. Yeah, this is you're talking over halfway through the season at this point, so there won't be any secrets by then. There, it feels right. weird answering these now because there's a lot of unknowns, a lot of secrets. But like by October 30th, there won't be. Like everything will be out on the table at that point. I just find myself coming back to how Michigan looked last year, what I just said about Mel Tucker and his confidence level and what he's going to tell his team. Uh, Michigan State picked up some decent transfers this offseason. They have yeah. a quarterback transfer from Temple who's going to factor into the into the starting role. They picked up a running back from Wake Forest who's got a nice skill set. They got Quavaris Crouch, the big, talented tight uh, linebacker from Tennessee who Michigan wanted badly. Uh, you know, Ben Van Sumeren is now on the roster there. Like, you wow. might not think he's very good, but like he was playing a lot in for Michigan last year. He started the year on the field a lot against Minnesota. He's probably going to be on the field against his former team. I think Michigan wins, but I would take Michigan state in the points. I feel a lot like this one, like I do about Northwestern. I think Michigan wins, but maybe it's by a point. Maybe it's by a field goal. Maybe it gets to five points, but I think, I think Michigan state plus six is, is a, Man, Vegas is good at what they do, aren't they? That's like right where I would I, I just I would think to myself right now as we sit, like there's no way they can win by more than six. And of course, that's that's right where the line is. So yeah. it's really really hard to put your money down. And I, first of all, I wouldn't touch that as somebody who does gamble a, a, a good bit here and there. I wouldn't touch that one because I just don't I don't feel good enough about it in either direction. But as we're just spitballing and talking about it right now, I would take the Spartans and the points. I think Michigan will win. But I think it's going to be closer than, you know, a touchdown or more, which was what it would take for Michigan to cover. Ass whooping. 
There you go. Well, I can't wait for it. I mean, I'm with you, though. I'm excited to watch it. I do think it's going to be chippy. There's a lot of cool storylines. It's already a rivalry as it is. And, man, like Mel Tucker, he, he's got he's got the bragging rights. And, you know, Michigan Can you imagine and too? Got, yeah, you cannot fall to 0-2 against Mel Tucker in a rebuild. Can't. You can't do it. You can't do it. Um, November 13th, so two weeks later, at Happy Valley. You can pretty much pencil it in as Ooh. a whiteout game at this point. Yes. November 13th at Penn State, the Nittany Lions are favored by seven. By seven. Where do you put your points? Where do you put your money on Penn State being the seven-point favorite? Penn State. And mm. and I and I think when we were going through our schedule here, this is a game that I picked them to lose specifically because you know you look at the schedule, you look at at Penn State's schedule and and who they've got coming to Happy Valley. This screams whiteout game. I think that's what it's going to be. And I think Michigan enters this game with one loss at this point. And so I think it's going to be a big deal. I just think. You know, we've seen it that that crowd and that environment, if they're allowed to be at capacity, it's a game changer. It changes the whole, you know, complexity of a game. It makes things a hell of a lot difficult, uh, have a lot more difficult on the visiting team. Um, I don't think they're extremely talented with who they've got coming back, but they've do got some solid guys. I know they got Sean Clifford, who's pretty experienced at the quarterback position, whether or not he's still starting at that point, you know, remains to be seen. But bottom line is that's a really tough place to go play. It's just like going to play at Kinnick at night. You know, whenever you go to places like that, it's it's hard to come out with a W. Um, This is one that I definitely think Michigan trips up on. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I mean, obviously, Penn State was got off to a horrible start last year, but they they righted the ship and won a couple games down the stretch, including against Michigan when they were sitting at 0 and 5. Uh, obviously, that was in Ann Arbor. And you're right. There's there's enough working for them, and and there's enough that Penn State can can lean on in terms of a returning quarterback and some some key pieces here and there and talent. Uh, they're one of the only teams in the conference who recruits on a level comparable to Michigan. Obviously, Ohio yeah. State's kind of in another – they're on their own tier. But but Michigan and Penn State kind of make up that next tier. They're, they're tier two recruiting teams. And so, you know, when, when all things on, on a talent level are, are close to equal, you almost have to go with the home team. And when you've got that whiteout, which I think it will be, and you've got a returner at quarterback again, yeah, maybe he's not the guy at that point. But, again, as we sit here on May 21st, that's what we see. Seven points again. That's that's like right around the edge where I would say like I think Penn State can win by like seven, yeah. but you, you throw in the the home field and what might be going on with Michigan season at that point, and I think I think I'm with you. I would put my money on Penn State. This would be another one I wouldn't touch for a little while. I expect no. that spread to look yeah. different once it gets here, but right now it's at seven. And last but not least, the finale in Ann Arbor against Ohio State, November 27th, noon kickoff. Ohio State is favored by 11 and a half. And I think that is easy money. I think that is easy money. And I may have already made a bet on that one. Just going to put that out there. I think, I, I mean, like, dude. Why wouldn't you? 11? I got it at 11. It's at 11 and a half today. I think the, every week that game gets closer, it's going to be bigger than that. I mean, I just, I, I know Ohio State has to replace a superstar quarterback, and they've got a lot of other guys that they're going to have to replace. But. I just, I don't know, man. Nothing I have seen in a couple of years, multiple years, makes me think that that will be less than a two-score game. 
Yeah, you know what's weird? Every time Ohio State's in a situation where they've got to find a way to replace a superstar quarterback, they, they just seem, do it. They seemingly <laughs> do it with another superstar. You know, we've seen that going back to the days of JT Barrett and Braxton Miller and Cardale Jones, and I mean, they just they keep throwing Haskins. out the right Hask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he he wasn't even on my list of of names to just throw off, right? Yeah. So they've got some question marks, at least from the outside looking in. I think from the inside, these guys have very few questions. I think that they are going to be once again, the class of the big 10 and man, what we've seen, you know, obviously we didn't see it in 2020, fortunately, because I, it would have been ugly in 2020, just given the way these two teams looked very, very different pathways in 2020. But Mm -hmm. you know, the last two meetings have been what 20 or 30 points or, or whatever it's been. I just, I have no faith that Michigan can even keep this one close and you can call me a hater. You can call me, you know, whatever it is you want to say, bottom line is Michigan, has not shown anything against this team in quite some time. And until they do, I would, I would easily take Ohio state at this point. You know, you know, and look, man, like I I would love for that game to get here and and for things to just feel so different and be like, Michigan's got a shot. Michigan, Michigan might win this game. Michigan's the favorite all of a sudden, however it plays. I would love for that to happen. No confidence that's going to happen. But you know what you say to the people who call you a hater and say, you just don't know what you're talking about. You're a, you hate Michigan. You need to find a new team to like. You need to, to tell them to go ahead and put, put their money up then. Go ahead and put yeah. your money on Michigan then to, to cover that 11 and a half point spread because I don't know how, I don't know how anybody could feel confident doing that. Anybody. Well, what what like year the, was it? Michigan, wasn't it? Was it 2018 or 2019 that Michigan went in as a favorite? It was 18, right? Because it was yeah. on the road. So Michigan was the favorite on the road, which was I, – I, when when I heard that, I was like, how the hell can that happen? They haven't mm. won in Columbus in, what, almost 20 years, and you saw what the result was. So even when Michigan looks like a team who is pretty, pretty good and is actually the favorite going into that game, man, it got out of control pretty, pretty quick. So, uh, yeah, no confidence. None. And, and there's no reason to have any at this point. Yeah. Yep. So Ohio State, the 11 and a half point favorite over Michigan for the regular season finale. And like I said, I I mean, we got another question um, from Jimmy Whitner. Well, you know, what will the spreads be when the actual games get here? I mean, yeah, they're going to change a lot. I mean, I, a lot, a lot. Yeah. Um, I would expect that Ohio State game to be maybe it's really it's so early, dude. I mean, who the hell knows? But like based on how things looked over the last two years for both programs, like it would be double that. And and yeah. and you'd still get some people to pick Ohio State probably. So, yeah, I, you, I'm with you, man. It's like, all right, they're gonna have to replace a, pro, a, a quarterback this year. This might finally be Michigan's shot. And then, you know what happens? Good coaches put talented players in a position to succeed, and they look awesome. That's what happens. They do it every year. They find another guy. They put him in there. They coach him up. They put him in a position to succeed, and he looks like one of the best players in the country. It's amazing. It's amazing how the, how the good programs do that year in and year out. Uh, that's another discussion I would like to have at some point. I was thinking about the draft when we were talking about, um, when we were talking about the Michigan players drafted and how, you know, I put up the story about how Michigan's has over the last three or four, four years, I think they've only had three schools have more players drafted than them, Alabama, LSU, yeah. and Ohio state. Yeah. One of these things is not like the other, right? Like, how is that even possible? And and it's it's true that not all draft picks are equal. Like, if you're putting a first round quarterback in the draft every other year, like that's huge. I mean that that's that's huge to have a quarterback that can do those kinds of things. Skill players in the first round, pass rushers in the first round, 
you know, if one team has five first round picks and another team has five sixth round picks, like that's not equal. Like on, yeah. on that graphic, it would look the same. Both teams had five players drafted, but that's not equal. So th- there are layers to it. There's a lot more to it than that. But I find myself asking, all right, like Joe Burrow coming out of high school, right? He was a, a mediocre recruit was an Ohio kid, went to Ohio State, wasn't a big-time recruit, wasn't really the super, the most talented guy, not a plus athlete with his legs, not the strongest arm in the world, so he transfers to LSU. He gets put into a position to succeed, has one of the best offensive seasons in college football history. He's the number one pick, and he looks like he knows what he's doing in the pros too. So I find myself asking all the time, like it's a chicken or the egg thing. Like Was, was that always there for Joe Burrow, and he, it, just, it just was a matter of time before it came out, or was it like – perfect storm LSU great receivers Joe Brady Colin plays for that one year and poof he's just he looks amazing like it's that it's crazy how that happens like really couldn't get on the field at Ohio State then all of a sudden you're right has I I think it is wasn't it the best season any yeah quarterback I mean, has ever put together and you know of ran away with the Heisman obviously yeah. So, you know, you've got that. And then Justin Fields, obviously, who was struggling at Georgia, mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and comes to Ohio State and ends up becoming what he became. So I don't know, man. It's weird. You know, it's it's I wish I knew what it was. The only thing that I, I can say for sure is that whatever it is, Michigan hasn't hit on it one mm-hmm. way or another. Like you see all these pieces getting shuffled around and guys land at other programs and they blossom and become you know, what I guess people always expected they could become. I think a lot of people, myself included, thought Shea Patterson was going to be that guy. If you looked at how highly rated he was coming out of high school and even some of his film, if, if you watched him play a little bit at Ole Miss. Pretty he, good. Pretty he damn kinda, good. He, he gave off like a bit of a Johnny Manziel type vibe where he could run around. He was a bit undersized but could scramble, was a playmaker. Um and it just never really fully materialized at the University of Michigan. Still put together a really t- good two-season stretch. Um, but, man, Michigan, for whatever reason, just can't hit on the quarterback position. And I, I don't know, how long has it been since they've had a quarterback taken in the first three rounds? It's been a long time. The last guy was – Chad Henney? Did he go? He was. I don't even know when he was drafted. I don't. Yeah, I'd have to look back on that. But yeah, I mean, there you go. If you can't even think of one. Yeah, if you can't even think of one, then yeah, it kind of tells you something. Yeah. So it's it's just a it's a really really interesting thought. It's how you, it's how you have busts in recruiting. It's how you have busts in the NFL draft. It's how you, under you know unearth um you know gems who who it's just it's all about timing. It's all about getting guys in the right spot. It's all about. It's just, it's incredible. It's incredible to really think about and look at. I mean, you just, just, just ask yourself, what does, what, what does Joe Burrow's life look like, career in college look like, and ability look like if he had come to Michigan? Just, just, just throw Michigan out there. Instead of going to LSU, he comes to Michigan. What he probably, he's literally probably not even drafted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I mean, it, it's, you know? it's hard for me to imagine like a, a quarterback putting together a season like that. In Ann Arbor, in like, can you imagine watching Joe Burrow do what he did at LSU in Ann Arbor? Like, just watching yeah. a Michigan quarterback sling the football like that. I just, it, it seems so unrealistic to me that I, I, it's hard to even imagine what that would do, you know, for the fan base of, of this football program. And yeah, it's it's a position that we we certainly have missed on quite a bit. And unfortunately, I don't I don't think we have 
the guy, you know, in 2021 either. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but it needs to happen. So he said all of that stemming from what's Ohio State going to look like. They have to replace Justin Fields. I would bet on them finding a guy who's going to look pretty damn good. That's what I would bet yeah. on. They've got CJ Stroud, who's probably the, maybe the leader in the clubhouse at this point. He's been at the, been in the system a little bit longer. He's got the, the dual threat capabilities more so than Jack Miller and more so than Kyle McCord. But Kyle McCord is like the, 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 the gunslinger, the super strong arm, just the crazy arm talent, you know, was, I uh, saw him side by side at a at a camp a couple of times with JJ McCarthy, and he just he just looks different. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's just more put together. But they were always pretty close, like neck and neck in terms of rating. So you know, Ohio State got their guy, Michigan got their guy. Both neither of them may may see the field this year. So that's kind of an interesting development in itself. But it, it sounds like Stroud and Jack Miller and and uh, McCord are all going to have a shot. With most people thinking Stroud will be the guy, and again, uh, whoever it is. I trust Ryan Day and what everything that they do, that they're going to pick the right guy and he's going to look damn good. I, yeah. I just how how could he not? Uh, you know they'll they'll he's got some of the best receivers in the country, maybe the best receiving core in the country. Um, you know, a fantastic offensive line, a defense to keep the score low and get him the ball back. I mean, that all helps. You, you can't you can't discredit that, that that stuff. That all helps a quarterback. But I, I I just if I was an Ohio State fan, I wouldn't be worried about it. I just they'll find a guy and he'll be good. That's what happens every year. Like you said, they just reload, plug and play, twelve wins, playoff, Big Ten. Let's keep let's run it back. Repeat, That's, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, last but not least, just the the overall future on, futures on uh, the the odds for winning the Big Ten. Ohio State easy favorite minus two hundred, so you don't even get your return on your money on that one. Right. Put up t- put up ten bucks. I think what you would win eight. Is that right? I'm still not 100 percent on those uh, on those numbers. Something like that. Anyway, that's not the important part. The next tier: Iowa, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, all in second place with plus 900 odds. So, all those four teams, even though we've talked about you know where the spreads are, like you know Michigan, a pretty big underdog against Wisconsin, decent underdog against Penn State, underdog against Washington, underdog against Ohio State. But yet right there in the mix for the odds to win the conference. Like I think the ESPN numbers that they put on it was like 2%. Like Michigan has a 2% chance to win the Big Ten. Sounds about right. Based on their power index and the FPI and all those formulas that they use. So I don't know. I I think Ohio State's yeah they're they're going to be the favorite they will be for a long time and I don't think anybody's betting against them at this point so I don't know is there anything not the Ohio State angle but you know surprised to see that Michigan is the same odds to win as as Iowa Penn State or Wisconsin or is it because it doesn't freaking matter yeah I I just think that's where it's at I mean everybody knows who it's going to be you you know you've got it's just going to be Ohio State it feels like Groundhog's Day where you know you you enter every season with excitement and hope and and that's kind of you know we're just over 100 days out and you spoke to it earlier that you're starting to get that little bit of a tingly feeling and now knowing that we're going to be back in the stadium that's increased even more Um, so you know what I'm just going to enjoy this moment in time where Michigan is still undefeated and we've got all the promise in the world ahead of us. And, uh, we'll let, uh, November sort of take care of itself because, uh, the off seasons are pretty painful. <laughs> yeah, they have been, they have been, I'm going to look, I'm actually going to look this up. Cause I, like I said, I'm, I, I put money up here and there and, uh, should probably know this, but I don't. 
uh, if that thing would get out of the way, what that would mean in terms of the amount of money and um, how much you would win. So if you put $10 on Ohio State, okay, so the minus 200 is essentially like a halfer. So if you put $10 on Ohio State to win the Big Ten, your return would be uh, five. So obviously that's not how you generally want to bet, but that's a pretty safe bet. Michigan, on the other hand, if you put $10 on Michigan to win the Big Ten and they do, you'll cash a $90 ticket. Ooh. So that's what the that's the plus 900. Um, so there you go. Um, I won't be making that bet, but that's a, no. uh, you know, I wouldn't be making a bet with any of those teams, Iowa, Michigan, Penn state, Wisconsin, you know, you get into the season and uh, some injuries happen or some things go sideways a little bit. You never know, but that's why Ohio state is the favorite. That's why you got to put money up to, you know, take a half of a, take a half of a payout, put up 10 to win five. I'm not doing any of that. Even yeah. though it's probably pretty smart money. My mom's birthday tomorrow. Uh, hanging out here with this, hanging out here with my kid. We went and did a little shopping today. Got my mom a little gift, so it's been good. What you got coming up this weekend, Chris? Same thing I'm always doing, man. Home renovation, stuff, yeah. Home renovation. It's it's been a total shit show. We moved the new refrigerator in yesterday, dented the hell out of it. So you know, I was I had to cut part of the banister because it wasn't fitting the right uh-huh. way, and you know it was uh, again. That's uh, for the foreseeable future. I'm going to be knee deep in home renovation. So pray for me. There you go. Two sick dads out. Yes, sir. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) 